Welcome to iPhone. What's going on, guys? Welcome to i4o, the only show where we provide you a time lapse of both the news and the growth of my beard. Uh, I'm joined today by Urban and Jeff on the show. What's going on, guys? Hello. Good morning. I'm so growing for- my beard one day at a time. That's it. <laughs> <laughs> um, but yeah, so we have a lot to cover in today's news. Um, we are going to be recreating the entire Samsung S9 launch reveal live before they do. Um, We have some news from the Microsoft Windows 10 updates. Um, Our first bit of news from the NRA. We have some additional news on top of that from Apple, Tesla, and Snapchat. Um, But to jump straight into the Samsung S9 launch reveal, um, the video has been leaked several hours ahead of the launch um, it was an entire day oh was it a whole day okay <laughs> yeah. so yes um <laughs> a whole day ahead so yeah. it's a three plus minute reveal video highlighting uh bits of information about the new phone the galaxy s9 and uh i think you may have some of the initial yeah you have some of the screens up on the stream right now um and as you can tell they moved the fingerprint button which was that, that was my biggest complaint yeah. with the old phone. I hated that on the side next to the camera. But now it's under the camera where it belongs. Right. Mm-hmm. Um, Makes it easier to reach because I know I had an S8 briefly. And um, yeah, it was quite difficult. You had to do some finger juggling or just just some contortions with your finger trying to get to, to reach that uh, fingerprint. Um sensor up right next to the camera yeah. But yeah moving it closer to the middle where majority of if not all android phones now have it is good um, yeah samsung galaxy the, now with ergonomics yeah <laughs> the bigsby button's still there they haven't gotten rid of that they're um, all in on bigsby <laughs> they're all in on bigsby mm. there's a new um, dex pad though uh they, we saw the they teased the new dex pad that was um that was leaked a couple weeks ago um, it's more of a, instead of like a phone dock, it's more of a horizontal dock that will also allow the phone to double as a touchscreen or a keyboard. A touchpad, um, yeah. They have hinted at what could quite possibly be the most amazing water resistance ever. And I say that as a joke because the phone, <laughs> we were talking about that a little bit on the pre-show <laughs> where the phone wasn't freaking out when it was getting hit by rain. Yeah, it's the kind of phone uh, where if water drops on it, it won't register as a touch. So you can just text perfectly, even in a downpour. Yeah. So take your phone outside during the middle of a thunderstorm. Right. Um, but yeah, it, it, this phone is going to be. It looks like it's going to be one of the, the like the, they're really focusing on security and um, facial recognition and Samsung Knox and. Mm-hmm. All that new things and it, it looks like it's also going to be fairly enterprise focused also with um, ease of access for integrating it into any business solution so yeah. it's an interesting phone i don't think we have too much on the exact specifications yet but no yeah, it's probably going to rock in the new snapdragon 845 here in the us it's going to have the whatever latest exynos processor everywhere else in the world uh because samsung likes to do uh that um it's supposed to have extra ar features trying to compete um 
Uh, yeah, there's built straight that, into the camera. Built into the camera. Um, uh, an Animoji like some kind of feature uh, that's also rumored to come um, with the phone. Um, one, they're touting, they've been, there have been leaks about having a really great camera, um, having like a, a super slow mode uh, um, on the camera, as well as there's a rumor to have a variable aperture um, directly on the lens itself. So there's a physical mechanism that shrinks down or increases the aperture depending on the settings within the camera which is just a rumor that hasn't been confirmed yet but we'll find out uh probably around the time that this episode publishes today well, i saw the the video and they like did a flash of yeah. the cameras like it looks like a flicker and it was in different sizes so and yeah that's it's true. the vibe that i got so yeah i'm thinking that might be confirmed but yeah, um, previously on other phones, it's just done pretty much digitally, right? There's no physical aperture that sort of changes. Yeah. Um, and then for people who don't know much about cameras, the aperture determines how much light is getting uh, let in to the phone. So the smaller the aperture number is, the bigger the opening is. So that means it will allow more light in. And having that manual control to see, okay, if you want to be, you're in a low light situation, you want to make that opening for the camera as big as possible, which allow more light in. Um, and then if you want to shrink it down and get more of a different look, um, when you're outside, um, uh, you can change that and have that physical control over how much light the uh, phone is actually getting. And, uh, we have a comment in the chat that, uh, <laughs> is a guarantee, uh, that it won't blow up. Uh, that is to be determined. Um, <laughs> if it's, um, one can hope. One can hope that the Samsung has uh, fixed their battery issues that they've had with the S7 um, or yeah, the Note 8, Note, Note 7. Yeah, um, and, and you started to say this earlier. Um, for those of you who are watching live, the show, they will be officially, not officially, officially unveiling this uh, at noon today. Um, for yeah, those of you who noon are... Eastern. Yeah, and for those of you who are listening okay. after the fact, you'll probably already know what is going on. So, if that's if you even care, <laughs> so I know some people don't like Samsung after the Bixby button and the Note Seven debacle. Um, but I will be interested in seeing the Note Nine. That'll be an interesting phone later in the year. Yeah, interesting mm -hmm. that they'll decided to uh, do. It looks like they're going to do the dual cameras on the plus size version, so they're going to reflect sort of how um, Apple does it. Um, now having a plus size phone will give you two different cameras, which will do the depth effect sort of feature, the portrait mode uh, that was previously launched on the Note 8 uh, phone that they have out currently. So they're bringing that over, but only for this plus size. So if you if you like if you don't like big phones, that you're not going to get that portrait type of uh, mode on the camera. Um, yeah. But it's it's one of the biggest competitors with with um, Apple, so there's a lot of eyes to see on this and and interest in in trying to see uh, what type of what's the next flagship that Samsung's going to release because um, it's it's still one of the top selling phones in the world. Yeah. Uh, no matter how much I despise the software on it. <laughs> <laughs> but uh, speaking of new things, uh, Microsoft is also releasing something new. Um, they're going to be, they just released the new Windows 10 preview. Um, 
and they're touting a much more efficient updating system for Windows. Um, again, this is just the preview. So this is anybody who would be on those um, the developer preview programs where they get the early access to the updates. But um, will it finally stop uh, rebooting in the middle of when I'm actually using it? Evidently, they're attempting to try to be more proactive at keeping PCs updated. So, um, yeah, that's that has been a problem with Windows before, <laughs> where it just randomly shuts off in the middle of an update or goes to sleep or something like that. But it seems that this is a start towards getting that issue resolved. So um, when Windows 10 scans, downloads, and installs updates on a PC that's plugged in, it will prevent the PC from going to sleep when it has not been active for up to two hours. So if you regularly take your laptop off the charger and you happen to own a Surface Book or a Windows 10 laptop and you get this update, then it may still do that. But if it's plugged in, then Microsoft's goal is to, quote, give Windows update more opportunity to succeed. <laughs> so, <laughs> so I mean, and there's been issues with updates before, and, when, and I think that's always been a problem with Windows in general. Um, but it's finally good that, that they're actually... Um, taking a stab at this and trying to fix it. But also included, um, there is a list of additional updates and issues that have been resolved, um, as well as several known issues that are in this. So as recommended by the article, don't install this on your machine that you use every day, because again, it is an, it is a preview and not a final stable build. Um, and I don't know if you guys wanted to go into detail with any of the additional fixes, but um, it seems to be mostly just like in-app searching and um, random crashes that would happen through Windows yeah. 10. And but, if anybody is interested, we'll have the, the link to this article um, in the show notes. You can uh, check up on it. Yes. But um, one thing that you will be able to do eventually, <laughs> if you don't speak English as a native language, uh, you will be able to talk to the Google Assistant in your in your language. Uh, they're gaining multilingual Ooh. support for Google Assistant, adding more languages and deeper device integrations. Um, so this is coming ahead of the Mobile World Congress uh, that's coming up in, I think, a day, right? Uh, it's sort of, yeah. There's official, unofficially, like, press events have been have started already, but I think it opens to the public starting tomorrow. Mm -hmm. um, which is held every year in Barcelona. Um, yeah. It's where people, a lot of, uh, of, like the name suggests, mobile world, it, it mostly talks about uh, mobile phones and the mobile market. And uh, a lot of big manufacturers hold off their announcements until then. Um, I know CES was in June, or June, uh, January, and uh, people are expecting a lot of big announcements uh, there in terms of mobile, but typically don't get it. They, people just wait, or the yeah. manufacturers just wait till Mobile World Cong Congress. And looks like Google has announced that Assistant is getting more languages. So now currently it supports eight languages, but uh, by the end of this year, it's going to uh, be up to 30 languages, um, which is uh, great. Also, it will support um, multilingual Um so if you have a household where you speak two different languages, um, it could support both and respond to you appropriately based on the language uh, that you're speaking to it, yep. uh, which is quite interesting. 
Yeah, um, they are only rolling that functionality out for several languages. Yeah, I think add as it goes on. So for right now, um, it's only going to support English, French, and German, mm-hmm. um, which I think this falls in line with their big push to get the assistant out and get the rest of the Google um, home devices out in Europe. So this comes right alongside that in order to, um, I guess, kind of help support that push because there are a lot of multilingual people in Europe. Mm -hmm. English is a big second language for a lot of the uh, mainland European countries. So So, it's, it's a good thing. You know, when when uh, the Pixel Buds were coming out, we were pretty excited about the translation abilities that the, those would have, or at least yep. working with Pixel phones. Uh, do you think that the assistant's going to have something like that, where you could speak to it in a language and say, translate this to this language so the other person can hear it and read it out on the fly? You, you can already ask it to translate. Like, how do you say X in whatever language? And it'll say it in that language. I'm just wondering um, if there's going to be more like of a conversational yeah conversational yeah yeah it could be um but yeah it's this using uh they said that they were working on this um to enable companies to build deeper integrations between the assistant and device features using natural language so and using conversational interfaces of the assistant so that seems to potentially confirm that point that you were making jeff yeah so it looks like that they're just trying to make the assistant more uh even more conversational than it already is in third-party apps. Um, yeah. But they also um, they also noted that there was a there was a couple other apps that they had released as well. One that I was particularly interested in was Google's Reply. Um, they have a there's a video on a hands-on video for it at the end of the article, and um, that is a really cool app. If, if anybody has ever used um, Allo or any of those apps that have those smart reply um, suggestions at the bottom of the of the messaging app, um, it adds that same functionality into your uh, notifications. And this works for several apps. And uh, at least on my phone, it works for uh, Android Messages, Skype Lite, and Facebook Messenger Lite, which are like the Facebook Lite and Skype Lite are just kind of stripped down versions of the official apps that are meant for like data saving. And in my case, I just don't need the extra features, but yeah. that's, that's a whole different story for a whole different day. <laughs> so monitors notifications coming in and based on whatever uh, the context of the text message is, or the message is, it suggests uh, automatic replies. Uh, we've seen this feature inside of inbox for Google that suggests mm-hmm. depending on the content of the, email that'll suggest uh, short replies but this brings it and we have also seen it in allo uh, but this brings it to apps that don't support that feature they don't have to support this at all uh it's a clever little sort of hack um i would view it as that that Mm -hmm. sort of bypasses it it see it captures that notification looks at the the text and then does some ai um uh, behind the scenes to figure out okay what should I reply? Um, and I see, I saw that when I initially was just playing with it. Maybe Matt, you can offer some more information on this. There's some automatic ones that you can set up uh, where let's say you're on a vacation or automatically mm-hmm. reply any to anytime someone uh, sends you a message. 
Um, or if you're driving, which could be very safe, that'll all make reply to anyone that reaches out to you. Um, yeah. uh, which I thought was a cool feature. Yeah, there was a couple of them. The one that I saw and I was going to test it out, but I had decided against it towards the last second just for the sake of I wanted to actually see my messages. Um, there was a there was a what's up response, which I thought was kind of cool. Um, so if someone were to text you like, hey, what's up or what's going on? Um, it would just automatically reply to that and say like, um, or it would be like, oh, like it would reply what's up back to them or say something else. And it would have a little robot emoji to indicate that Google automatically replied to it. <laughs> um, it's pretty cool. There's there's a couple other ones that were uh, more specific to driving and traveling where if someone texted you, and this is a feature that currently exists in iOS for some people. Um, if someone texted you, where are you? one of the suggestions could be your location on Google Maps. Yeah. So, Urban, I think you might be able to confirm that, but that was something that they also um, touted in this. So I'm going through it now. They have the vacation responder. Um, and then a couple of the other ones is it can play a sound if it detects the text message is urgent. Um, and it'll tell the person who you text or is texting you that it has played a loud chime on your phone. Um, and one of the other ones I think is hilarious where it can detect seriousness in a conversation. <laughs> so it's like, oh, this sounds serious. <laughs> the word if you want to make a loud sound on his phone. I'll put that um, to the test. <laughs> but uh, the what's up one, just to clarify, um, it will automatically reply what's up if someone says, hey, or something like that. Yeah. How far is this going to go, guys? Is it going to have full-fledged conversations like um, you're driving on your route home and your significant other says, can you pick up eggs on the way home? And Google decides, yes, you can, because you don't have an appointment for another hour. <laughs> so I'll let you know, hey, Matt, you got to pick up eggs or else. <laughs> I wouldn't doubt it, honestly, at this point. But uh, it does have the driving support where if you are driving, that it can reply like, oh, this person is driving in the car. But and then, use... doesn't it ask like if it's urgent you say okay this is ur like make a noise because i need their attention mm -hmm. immediately it'll reply yeah. yes this person is driving cannot reply right now but if this is urgent please and identify as it urgent i could see that getting problem. abused really easily but... yeah <laughs> yeah and since i already use android auto I, I disabled most of those features because i have i already have my phone in hands-off mode mm -hmm. yeah yeah so but, this uh, so cool app yeah so uh commenting on this reply app it's just it just builds like integrates into the os of the phone it looks like or it'll yeah. just so what what's it going to do in situations where maybe the app already offers this kind of predictive response like are they going to fight to like you have two different routes of doing this or can you turn it off for certain apps or i would think that maybe it can leverage a way of uh, being able to tell if the app has a smart reply feature because right now I think the only ones that I've seen that support smart replies in the notifications is straight from Google anyway. Yeah. No. So I think Google could just um, blacklist those apps in reply. I'm also wondering but, if it's going to um, make those app developers have no desire to add a feature like this themselves since Google's kind of covering them for it or if yeah. maybe they'll do it to compete or for other device i don't know maybe they'll make it like a, more of an api because right now it's a standalone app that you have to install right like you were saying maybe they may bake it into the os and android version p or later 
Yeah. Um, but for right now, um, the app is not available on the Google Play Store from what I could tell. Um, you have to download it from APK Mirror, which is a site where these um, big first-party app developers post the sometimes the nightly builds or um, weekly builds of their apps in APK form. So you would need an Android phone and you would need to allow uh, downloading apps from third-party developers in order to get this. Um, it's very early stages, just to be clear. So there might be, a little buggy. will definitely be buggy. Um, and um, it's- No, it definitely is buggy. The yeah. most annoying feature is just that it doesn't, when you open up, say for, I've been using it in uh, Android messages and it does not dismiss the notification when you actually read the text message. So sometimes I've found myself double replying. I'm like, oh, they already said that to me. I guess I'll just reply again. <laughs> and then I'm just like, oh, okay. And but, it was uh, just a little tidbit information. It was created by a special division uh, within uh, Google that's working on app experiments, trying new things with different apps. And that uh, uh, team is called Area 120. Not sure why Area 120. Um, oh, which it, it says it, um, Area 120, which derives its name as a place that spends 100% of its time working on 20% projects. Oh, there we go. There you go. We know Area 120. So typically, Googlers get um, a 20 percent. They have an extra 20% time uh, that they have available to work on new stuff experience that's different from their regular day-to-day -day work. Uh, but this is just dedicated to 100% of the time. You just work on experiments, try new things. Uh, and this is one of their first apps that have been launched. I think one of the features that came out of this division earlier was um, something for Google Maps enabling wheelchair accessible, um, enabling people to indicate if a place is wheelchair accessible or not. I think that was something that did come out of this. So they're, they've done some pretty cool stuff before. Um, but yeah, most of it's just been integrations in existing apps. This is like a standalone thing that's brand new from them. So yeah, that's it's impressive. I mean, it's a really cool concept, and I do hope it does get baked into the operating system yeah. because sometimes those smart replies are really efficient instead of having me to just open up the message and type in like what's up. And it's such a small thing to complain about, but um, Google's all about efficiency. And this sometimes. is only possible on Android. This is, will be impossible to to, to implement on iOS yeah. uh, because Apple doesn't allow you to do this kind of thing. Well, it's um, not like notifications are that useful in iOS anyway. So this is very true. For, yeah. for me, recently switching to iOS, that is one of my biggest gripes yeah. um, is the notification system. Um. Uh, as far as uh, the assistant, uh, new assistant stuff, one I'm, one thing that I am very excited about that's the feature should should be rolling out uh, that was initially discussed at last year's uh, Google I/O was uh, routines, and routines are, um, in a nutshell, allows you to just say one trigger word to your Google Assistant and then program it to do. I think up to three different tasks at once. So you can say, uh, trigger, trigger, uh, Google assistant and say, Hey, I'm home. Uh, and then that'll, uh, turn on all the lights that are, um, that you program. It can trigger other stuff that you might have have in your house with you just saying one, uh, one command, uh, which is quite, uh, cool.
Yeah. I like that. And also uh, location-based reminders is nice too. Yeah. I like that. So next time you're at work, do this. Or next time you go to the grocery store, make sure to pick this up. Even if you don't keep a list, it'll notify mm-hmm. you when you're there. That's nice. Yeah. And that, that's been available on the phone. So if you said that, remind me when I get to work that uh, I need to send this email to this person. Uh, it was available on the phone if you triggered yeah. it, but now it's on the actual Google Home, which I don't know why Google doesn't make everything work the same on every device. Like, I don't know why <laughs> that's so hard because it's already <laughs> on the phone. Like, uh, But uh, it's nice that it's actually now available on the home yeah. as well. Yeah, I think that's the end goal eventually to integrate both together and have yeah. one. Mm-hmm. But yeah, for now, we just live in this world where Google has five walled gardens instead of just one. <laughs> so, so but, an example of a, a reminder you could set based on location would be when I'm uh, when I'm at the conservative pol- political action conference, <laughs> remind me to give an award to Agit Pai. <laughs> which uh may or may not have been used by uh dan schneider perfect 10 out of 10 segue thank you very much uh so in case you have not caught wind of this the nra is given Pai a courage award and a gun because a- according to them he saved the internet <laughs> the Ooh. quote here from uh the executive director of the american cons- conservative union uh dan schneider is Pai. As you already know, save the internet. <laughs> As some would say. <laughs> right. So uh, apparently uh, he's the most courageous, heroic person that uh, Schneider knows. <laughs> Even more courageous than Tim Cook for removing the headphone jack. Right. Oh, right. That was a great, very courageous move, actually. And um, <laughs> <laughs> that is pretty courageous. But uh, he's also uh, been described as fighting to preserve your free speech rights. So um, <laughs> I don't know. How you I feel like it. if I start talking, it's going to end in a rant. Yeah, that's, that's kind of how I feel about this too. But um, yeah, just they, they put a cowboy hat on his head and gave him a, a custom-made firearm as a reward, uh, giving him the Charlton Heston Courage Under Fire Award from the NRA. The only thing that would have made this better would have would have been if he had just broken out his Reese's cup coffee mug <laughs> and shot it and with the start. rifle. <laughs> yeah. yeah. But yeah, it's, um, it's, uh, maybe, maybe this is a win for telecom companies, but for a man who's now under investigation for, um, circumventing tip like standard policies. Uh, I don't know if I necessarily call him uh, a savior of the internet yet. Um, <laughs> uh, maybe, Maybe the only people, in my opinion, who would earn that would be uh, the previous chairman, Tom Wheeler, for uh, coming to, for bringing to light a lot of the corruption that's in this industry. But it's, uh, you know, this is the world we live in. Um, yes, Ajit Pai receives the award for being the savior of the internet and standing up under pressure. Um, but, you know, because give him a gun. Sure. I don't know exactly how he how he helped the NRA, but you know, this is the world we live in. <laughs> oh think, my god. I think it's just I'm, uh some I'm trying so hard not to rant. <laughs> some overlap of maybe um con- conservative approach in general, kind of yeah. if you, if you will, maybe 
trying to get some people who are against uh, or for the repeal of net neutrality um, who maybe are trying to get some more people to support gun rights. Yeah. In light of this, um, this actually reminded me of an article that I saw over the past couple of days that um, would be a good um, kind of tail rider article for this. So um, AT&T is actually already getting their fast lanes ready to go mm-hmm. for when the F- for when the FCC officially rolls back net neutrality. Um, they we don't have the article published, but they're going to be implementing sponsored lanes, or technically, I think is what they call it. Um, like sponsored streams where uh, services that pay a little bit extra get priority on their bandwidth and don't count towards your data. Um, and of course, DirecTV is already on this list. It's their well, service. Yeah, they yeah. own it. Yeah. Why not? But uh, you know, this is the uh, this is the this is coming from the saved internet. This is this is how this is it. <laughs> this, is where we're, this is where we are. So. We co- you heard it here first, paid fast lanes yeah. and, and ways around data through paying telecom companies is already coming through. And it's thanks to this man. Yes, yeah, so you can and write him a letter and thank him for saving your freedom and allowing you to be free to pay for your faster internet. Yeah. And his uh, agitine, his Kentucky long rifle. Yep. The fast lane. <laughs> he lives life in the fast lane. Yes, he does. He gives that he gives that phrase a whole new meaning. <laughs> <laughs> um, but yeah. So, speaking of other news, that is this to get away from. <laughs> yeah, so we can um, run away from it as fast as we can. Yeah, just let's <laughs> let's just slide away from this one. Uh, Apple moves. Uh, they're moving to store their iCloud keys in China, which is an interesting move. For a company that touts security, um, so they're going to begin hosting Chinese users' iCloud accounts in a new Chinese data center. Uh, this is this seems to me that this is definitely a push to appease the Chinese authorities, um, because yeah. up until now, Apple has been far more secure than China has liked. Um, but. Yeah, now this is going to give the Chinese authorities easier access to text messages, email, and other data stored in the cloud, um, which is a move that's good for Apple in terms of maintaining market force in in China. But um, that's this could be up to the up to the individual to decide whether it's um, a good thing for the internet. But I mean, this is the world we live in. Like we have to. Uh, these global companies, these multinational tech companies, have to cater their technology to the vast number of individual markets around the globe. Yeah. And, and China, China yeah, it's huge. Yeah, they're a giant stakeholder in the global economy. Yeah. So, I mean, it's only natural, and I, I, I'm honestly, I'm surprised that this hasn't already happened. And I thought that that's what they were doing up until now, but. Um, the, the Chinese authorities will no longer have to use the U.S. courts to seek information on iCloud users and can instead use their own legal system to ask Apple to hand over iCloud data. So this is exactly that. It's just a push to make iOS more accessible for the com- for the countries that need them to be more accessible. So, What does this mean if, let's say, you're visiting China? 
And that is... does that, will your data move over temporarily while you're in the country over to the Chinese server? So for whatever reason, China wants to say, okay, Irvin's in China. Let's see what he's been up to. Mm-hmm. Um, I don't. I don't know. Yeah, they say that because court approval isn't required under Chinese law and police can issue a warrant. But I wonder if you're if if it's based on your yeah, if your account like yeah, so your account because they have like special they have a U.S. depending on where you what country you created your account in. I guess that determines where that data is actually stored. It also specifies in this article that we're referencing that it's uh, services offered to Chinese citizens. Yeah, and they actually okay, so they do mention this later in the article. Yeah, they they say that, and then they follow up on it by saying, Apple says the cryptographic keys stored in China will be stored in China will be specific to the data of Chinese customers, meaning the Chinese authorities can't ask Apple to use them to decrypt data in other countries. Mm-hmm. So if, for example, Irvin, you went to China, they couldn't force right because my account, my data is still stored within the U.S. Right. Yep. Um, okay. But it's a, it is still a downgrade in protection for Chinese customers. And it's a it's a reminder that your your uh, cloud data that's out there in the cloud is actually held somewhere. <laughs> so yeah. it's not floating a, in the atmosphere. It's located in China. There's the a key US. to unlock your stuff, and it's not owned by you. It's owned by Apple, and they get to decide who gets to own it. So. There's that too. But um. Just to make this clear for those who may not be familiar with the cryptographic key, um, we do go a little bit in detail on that in the IFRO explains for cryptocurrency, but um, this isn't a backdoor into your data. This isn't something programmed in by Apple in order to allow third-party companies to get in. This is your private key, or yeah, this is your private key, which is which will be used to decrypt all of your encrypted data. Um, and anybody who's not familiar with the encryption process, it's just a matter of taking data and running it through a filter of a very large number and converting it into something that people can't easily read for the sake of security. And only the people who have the public key can decrypt and read it. So that's, that's, um, encryption in a nutshell, but, um, this isn't a backdoor. That's something that I, I did feel that the article stated that I thought was important. Mm-hmm. Um, it's just, it's just updating on policy to help out, uh, the Chinese authorities. Right. Yeah. One, uh, device or, um, object that does not require a key to access hey. is a Tesla model three, <laughs> <laughs> which is actually a fact. Tesla that model threes don't come with keys. Seven out, um, of, 10. Seven out of 10, <laughs> seven out of 10. I appreciate that. Thank you. No problem. Um, yeah, so uh, we went from a ten out of ten to a three out of ten to a seven out of ten segue. So we're doing pretty good here. <laughs> pretty good, yeah, pretty yeah. good. So um, as uh, Tesla Model Three has been in the news uh, recent or uh, a lot uh, recently, and one of the latest pieces of news um, that has come out is now uh, people who have made uh, pre-orders uh, with Tesla who don't already own a model s or model x can now start taking delivery of their cars which has been uh one of the biggest gripes for uh people who made reservations back in 2016 uh that they were just waiting waiting like when am i gonna get 
those uh, the ability to start configuring my car and getting start taking delivery. Um, every single one of the deliveries that happened up to this point have been to either uh, Tesla employees or previous um, owners of a Model S or a Model X. So they got priority. Uh, but now they in within California, they started to uh, send out invitations to start configuring their cars with a delivery uh, timeline of uh, four to six weeks, um, which is fa- fairly quick. This, um, yeah. This uh, is a good indicator that they're actually about to or already have uh, revamped and are stepping their production up, which was something yeah. that we talked about a while ago when they yeah. announced the Model 3. And that they've had issues. There's been several pieces of news where it has come out that they are having issues with ramping up. Uh, uh, they've had issues with ramping up the production, uh, but it looks like they are starting to uh, clear out those uh, that backlog of reservations. Um, you can still only... Uh, you can, uh, only order the highest end model, so they you can't get the thirty five thousand dollar one like they like the they promised as the brace price. Uh, that is still not configurable. So if you want to wait, um, you can still hold your line even if you get one of these invitations that you're ready to configure. If you don't want to get the higher uh, trim model uh, with all the premium upgrades, um, mm-hmm. you can just just press a button within your reservation and. Um, page and I'll let Tesla know that hold my place, but I'll just wait till the um, cheaper model comes out or the all, mo- a lot of people within uh, the Northern hemisphere uh, who live in, in States where it snows uh, quite a bit during the winter months are waiting for the all wheel drive model, which is also still not out yet. Um, yeah. But if you are, uh, have been waiting and you aren't currently a Tesla uh, owner, and it looks like they're starting out the West Coast. Um, a lot of people have been receiving no email notifications, but a lot of people haven't. And they just logged on to their My Tesla account, and they just saw, "Oh, your car is ready to configure." So, if you're curious, if the, if you're part of this first wave of invitations, you just log on to your um, My Tesla account and see um, if you're one of the. Uh, a part of this initial information. Do we know the initial production numbers already, or what that they're currently at in terms of their production? Because I've I've seen a few of them on the street already. Yeah. yeah. Uh, so they're, they're becoming um, more and more um, prevalent as Tesla has been shipping. I yeah. know that near us there is a, a service center, and there was a picture posted that there were like I think. 10 or 15 ready for delivery and like oh, wow. that's, that's right near uh, us so but those are again th- those were two previous owners uh, yeah. i think tesla has uh during the last uh earnings call they reiterated that they will still plan to achieve production of 2500 units per week by the end of uh, next month so that sounds like end of march um uh, but there are still some bottlenecks within uh, the production process, and we saw this with all of the previous Teslas. So. Yeah, so the initial the initial production has been, has always had some kind of bottleneck, um, but I I believe that that eventually Tesla um, will figure out uh, and improve the production rates. Um, Twenty five hundred units is is pretty high, but they from what we've heard previously, they're up to almost half a million 
um, pre-orders. Uh, so if they want to clear that backlog, uh, they um, should uh, hopefully um, improve that uh, weekly number. And a lot yeah. of those are, are probably um, not US ones. Um, um, also on their website, it, they still state that if you made a reservation today, it'll take uh, 12 to 18 months before you take delivery of your car. Um, Have they talked about what those bottlenecks are in the production process? Yeah, it's uh, the battery production bottlenecks. It's always batteries. Um, yeah, the battery production, the the uh, manufacturing of the batteries, the the tooling that they ordered, uh, the the manufacturer of the of that tooling promised uh, a particular timeline that yes, we can deliver this many batteries, and or we can manu you can manufacture this many batteries uh, within a certain amount of time and when they actually got that equipment in-house in the warehouse um, in the the gigafactory those rates actually didn't live up to what the manufacturer of those uh parts uh promised mm -hmm. uh, so it wasn't up to, it wasn't really tesla's fault they were promised one number when they actually got it um it wasn't the case so now they're uh, elon said on their earnings call they're working with a, a german um, manufacturer uh, to bring in new tooling that should help alleviate that bottleneck uh, within the battery production. Those should be uh, in place by the end of March. Um, cool. Is the cool. last I've heard. Nice. It's yeah. always uh, it's always frustrating when timelines fall to the wayside. Yeah, but hey, the, it, there's a lot of different components in this. Uh, car a lot of a uh, lot of pieces a lot of moving pieces and um it's it's a new company they're still figuring out all the quirks yeah Absolutely. and there that's that's always been um tesla's like like almost like their shtick basically like they have very aggressive timelines and they push yeah. very 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 bold predictions of their cars mm -hmm. And it's not necessarily about when they make those predictions and when they hit those landmarks, but it's all the things they achieve between the start point and the end point. That's what impresses people the most. Mm -hmm. um, yeah. It's that style of... Yeah. They typically deliver, yeah. They typically deliver what they promised, but not at the timeline that they said. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> it just takes them quite a bit longer a lot of the times to actually deliver. Yeah. Um, but they actually hit when they promised that this uh, car was going to launch. So they actually started delivery at around the time that they initially said back when the original reservations were out. So they hit that goal, but uh, they have they said uh, initially that was going to be like an exponential growth within um, the production rates. And that hasn't been the case so far. Um, but uh, there has been some calculations done, I think. Uh, Forbes, I have to confirm that Forbes has done a sort of estimator calculator to see what cars actually have been developed, uh, doing some tracking with uh, what VIN numbers have been publicly registered within uh, the um, our the government database um, to see actually how many uh, cars are being shipped per month, what um, are ha and also how many are actually being manufactured by Tesla um, to try to see okay what is their a promised 
uh, production rate and what is their estimate based on numbers. Also, uh, people can provide to that database um, to help um, Forbes trying to um, get a better calculation. So if you have a delivery of a Model 3, you can input your VIN and see when it was delivered. And by that, they can improve that data and, and do sort of an estimation of when you should be expecting a delivery. Um, but it's coming and people love it who have received it. Of course, there's some small issues here and there uh, with the initial production, uh, but Tesla has been great at um, going up and above, um, trying to fix those for those early customers. But um, yeah, early adopter issues are, are still a thing with a couple of these models that I've seen on videos online. But overall, I think people are happy with the car that they have received. But I think when it hits that $35,000 mark, that's when it's going to skyrocket. Yep. Right. Because right now, the only version that you can get at minimum cost, I think, 49. Yeah. Is right, $49,000. Yeah, it's um, like 49 or it's like maybe even a little more, I think. Um, yeah. Um, if you want autopilot and everything like that, I think it goes up to 56. Um, yeah. If you want all the options. Yeah, so cool. I will, people want, I think a lot of people still want that 35,000. Um, yeah. But that won't be out, I think, till they, have, they kept pushing timelines back. And I think it, now it's around late. Yeah, 2018. Although the $35,000 model is still a very stripped down version of that car. Like the, if you want any of the like auto, like you were saying autopilot and the nicer features like that, it's going to run you quite a bit more. Yeah. So just for autopilot, it's going to add $5,000 on that. So it's already a $40,000 car then. Um, yeah. yeah. And if you want any of the premium upgrades, um, yep, it's going to add even more. But that happens with every car, so it's not a yeah. big deal. Yeah. yeah, you can if you the final fully maxed out, fully loaded version of a car is usually like ten or fifteen thousand more anyway. So, but yeah, you know what isn't ten or fifteen thousand more? Uh, Snapchat stock. <laughs> Two Better out of ten. Stock. What's that? <laughs> Two out of ten. <laughs> hey man, it's still better than one out of ten. I'll take it. But um. That's also co yeah, that number you threw out there also coincides with Kylie Jenner's review of Snapchat. Um, <laughs> <laughs> so, yeah, she um, they the their update has been poorly received, and this this comes yeah this comes right at the heels of that update that Snapchat released where they just totally overhauled their UI, and then it dropped again when Kylie Jenner tweeted that she was done with the app. Uh, and I quote, so does anyone else not open Snapchat anymore or is it just me? Uh, this is so sad. Uh, so we're in a world where celebrities can destroy Snapchat stock. <laughs> um, she has, I mean, she does have 24 and a half million Twitter followers and one of their most popular users on Snapchat. So it does make sense that she would have an influence on the market. But um, this is just another nail in the coffin for Snap. I think. Yeah. And well, it's yeah. weird to not calling them Snapchat. I have to call them Snap. <laughs> I find that weird. I don't know if you guys do or not, but it's just me. But yeah, so I mean, I personally haven't used Snapchat that much. Uh, this new update is kind of, uh, I'm not a fan either. Yeah. Um, 
but I'm I'm not a really active user of Snapchat. I use it on yeah. occasion, but I see where people who are diehard users might be, uh, why they might be complaining of like they're really upset that they have changed uh, key features. And I know uh, Snap uh, has come back and um, you reiterated that they're gonna stick um, with this design. Uh, I know there's been petitions all over the internet. One I think was close to a million uh, signatures to say, um, to revert back the changes, but Snap has come out and said, yeah, we're gonna keep um, this design. We're gonna iterate it, keep improving it. It's a, it's a growing product, but we're gonna keep moving forward. Um, with this sort of design change. I know there's always an uproar when Facebook changed uh, their um, timelines, the way that you, you view your newsfeed. But I think after a while, people just got like accept it. And I think that's what Snap is, is uh, hoping for um, here as well. Yeah. Well, with a $1.5 billion loss, I, I, I'm sure they're hoping. <laughs> hey, they yeah. haven't made money yet. So there's yeah. still, hey. It's just there's like hey, hey we just lost more money that's fine we're used to that <laughs> we're still on track for that prediction that i think that we made where snapchat wouldn't last through the year or something and when we we were making predictions on how we thought they would do when they announced their initial public offering um when we did that episode and it's it's not looking good for them um but yeah so this they had a uh a, they, the, the company's response to that 1.2 million signature change.org tank the stock and then again this happened um which is one and a half billion dollars in loss of market value for snap yeah they really is, uh, they really hit the bubble there yeah so i mean she did follow up on that tweet saying that she still loved snap uh, she said still love you though snap my first love but uh it's too late <laughs> what have but, you done kylie what have you done yeah, it's hard to tell if it's actually related to Kylie Jenner or not, but it's too good of a coincidence to pass up. So, I mentioned to you guys pre-show that I'd like to see her endorse some random other company that has public stock and see if it skyrockets as a result. Yeah, like maybe she endorses a fertilizer producer, and maybe their <laughs> stock will soar. Is Kylie Jenner the next Warren Buffett? Tune in <laughs> exactly. next time. Exactly. <laughs> <laughs> With one tweet, she can decide the fate of the stock market. Imagine if Kylie Jenner was just an internet avatar for Warren Buffett. Oh, my God. <laughs> <laughs> uh, that would be an interesting world to live in. It would be. Yeah. Anyways. Urban, I think you have some news for us. Yeah, a little, a little but at the end of the show, a little PSA, a little tool tip. Um, uh, like to give that to our listeners. If you are uh, curious about, um, you hear a lot of news about all these data breaches with different websites, different services. Uh, there's a very useful website that allows you to see if you are one of the affected users uh, of uh, these uh, data breaches and that website is called have i been uh, pwned.com and that's p-w-n-e-d pwned uh, have i been pwned.com and this uh, website is very very useful 
It allows you to enter your either your email address, username, as well as uh, they've added uh, and towards the end of last year, they had a new feature where you're allowed to uh, enter your password and see if that password has been part of any previous breaches um, uh, around the internet. Uh, so it's a huge database and um, you can be assured that all your data that you're entering through this uh, system is all local. So it's not being actually sent to the server, uh, which is nice. So you're like, oh, please enter your password that you use on every single website. We'll see if it has been pwned and then <laughs> they'll just collect that information um, and use trust it. You can, yeah, you can trust this website. It has been vetted by uh, multiple security agencies. Um and it has a huge database. And the reason that it came up again is that um, with the password feature that uh, was launched towards, I think, August of last year, it initially contained 320 million passwords uh, with all the different um, data breaches that are out there. And uh, the owner of this website, uh, Troy Hunt, has recently updated it with over half a billion uh, pwned passwords in their current versions of the list uh so they have done also some cleanup and also uh um an aggregate information of see okay what are the most popular pa passwords like one two three four our password <laughs> is probably on the top of the list if you wanted to actually uh get access to uh these uh, list of files you can uh, there's a torrent link as well as a cloudflare link it is 8.8 .8 gigabytes but if you're curious enough you can get uh, hashes and count of password usage of over half a billion uh, passwords around the internet but if you're just curious um, to see if um, any of your email addresses or usernames or passwords have been uh, owned around the internet uh, it's a very useful website. You can enter it and it'll give you the exact list of any all the services that uh, have gotten breached that contain your information. And you can go out and uh, start changing your password, uh, probably remove your accounts from there um, if you um, think it might be uh, something of concern. And also recommendation that you don't use the same password um, on every single site use something like a password manager that'll um, take the burden off you trying to remember um, passwords for different services, different websites, and it makes it easy for you to create a unique password for every single site out there so that uh, if one gets hacked, then you won't compromise uh, every other website that you use around right. the net. Right. So I did try uh, a couple of passwords on here. Um, one was my really old password and that did show up on uh several no. breaches but i also tried password the password password that showed up about three and a half million times yeah <laughs> and then for anybody who remembers the very old world of warcraft joke i tried hunter 2 and that has showed up about sixteen thousand times as well <laughs> so <laughs> in breaches so it's saddening to me that it's actually a used password but Right. Um, that's an old World of Warcraft meme. And one, two, use... three, four is showed up one point one million times. Uh, Nothing beats password. What about but, yeah, uh, password or maybe admin or? <laughs> yeah, and um, while I was doing that, I wasn't 
really paying too much attention to the discussion but did you mention the you mentioned the email and username yeah uh, yep. well right yeah that's that's mm -hmm. incredibly useful um but i'm i'm definitely i i had this i, I was this was brought to my attention i think a year or two ago when they first launched it and it's been something i haven't used on and off since then but it's definitely a very useful program um yeah, for sure and they even link the different websites at the bottom for the top 10 breaches um, on how they've obtained accounts and usernames and stuff like that. So it's definitely an awesome listen. It's a great PSA. For sure. Stay woke. Stay, Stay woke. woke. <laughs> <laughs> I like it. Um, but uh, that actually could segue into the potential... Um, future explains episode that we may or may not have lined up i don't know if you guys wanted to tease at it or not or if we can actually I, don't we want to do it cannot confirm or deny yeah okay <laughs> we'll keep it a secret <laughs> keep it secret keep it safe yeah. yeah but um okay so but i think with anything else that brings us to the end of the episode unless you guys had any final closing pointers about your username or passwords You'd be like that guy with that uh, insurance company who put his social security number out on that big truck and drives around. Did you see that? Nope, I did not. It was like some like uh, some company that claimed they were so secure that you could publicly announce your social security number. And he LifeLock. In, in the yeah, LifeLock. In the commercials, he drove around a big truck with his social security number like stickered onto the side of the truck. And uh, lo and behold, his identity has been stolen about five times already. So, <laughs> um, kudos. So, yeah. yeah Ru but ruining lives one at a time. <laughs> <laughs> Never declare something as unsinkable. No. But, okay. So, yeah, that brings us to the end of the show. So, with that, um, we haven't had any reviews this week. So, there's nothing to read off there. But um, if you would like to leave, read us a review, tell us how we're doing. Um, coach us into a new rant about the FCC or uh, make a suggestion for a future IFRO explains. Um, you can do that at uh, Facebook. You can do that on Podbean. You can reach out to us on Twitter, Instagram, um, iTunes, Stitcher. Um, you can leave us a comment or feedback anywhere and uh, chances are one of us will see it and either respond or uh, we will incorporate it into the next show. But um, as for where you can find the show, you can find us on any of your favorite podcatchers. Uh, our RSS feed goes out to a wide range of different applications. Um, as for the big players, you can catch us on Podbean itself at industry40.podbean.com. You can find us on Google Play and iTunes at Industry 4.0. Um, you can find us on Twitch, Facebook, and Twitter at Industry 4.0, all spelled out as the username. Um, we and like that we're available everywhere, um, even on Google Home and Alexa. But yes, as for that, the music for this has been produced by none other than Jeff. Congratulations, congratulations, congratulations! On that I, music. I done it. <laughs> you done it. Um, he's not here today, but you can certainly enjoy the photography of Ryan Thompson at Flickr.com/slash Wayne R Thompson, Instagram at wayne ryan 21 and urban also does photography at urban.lucas on instagram yeah thanks yeah. for the shout out yeah always 
always always always um but yeah that's this has been episode 40 episode um, 40 has it really been 41 episodes including episode zero yeah yes wow unbelievable kind of crazy i know i'm i'm excited for the year in review and for anybody who didn't catch the initial bit of the live stream we rolled out a new trailer um to kind of showcase the introduction to the to the live stream but i don't know if everyone if you wanted to play that on the way out too but i definitely could be something that we could show the users but yeah so as we said this has been episode 40 we have 12 left for the year or 11 left for the year yeah Uh, see you guys in the next one